Whoa, it's a new show, Cards on the Table. And today we're debating, has card prospecting gone too far? Will you be crazy to spend half a million dollars on an unproven prospects card? Hello, sports card investors, and welcome to Cards on the Table. It is a brand new show every Thursday. We have started here on the Sports Card Investor channel where we are going to be discussing and debating some of that week's hottest topics in the sports card hobby. We got a full lineup of topics today, and the guys who are joining me for this discussion our VP of Product Development, Teapot, Tyler Nethercott. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff. Good to be here. Absolutely. And our Director of Community Partnerships, Doug. Welcome to the show, Doug Husky. Thank you. We are, we are happy to have you here. We're happy to have you guys. We're happy to have you here. And we've got some great topics to go over today. We're also going to be taking some of your questions today for next week's episode. So leave those in the comments below. But let's jump right into our first topic. It was just the week before last that there was a record sale of almost half a million dollars, $474,000 that somebody paid for Jason Dominguez's Superfractor, his first Bowman Superfractor card on Golden Auctions, $474,000. Has the sports card hobby lost its mind? Would you spend that kind of money on a prospect if you had it, Doug? I don't know how to answer that. That's so far out of my realm of being able to, you know, even think about half a million dollars. But I will say that, yes, prospecting has gone too far, but there's not anything inherently wrong with that. Um, I've been known to gamble a little bit myself, take a few risks, and I enjoy prospecting, but just on a different level. I think where you can get your feelings hurt is when you're prospecting on guys that are already expensive and already hot. In 2019, take Zion. People that you know, invested in Zion, they probably don't feel great right now. But if you had spent that time buying cheap Darius Garland, you feel much better about yourself. Or even, you know, it pivots to other sports like soccer, for instance. Take in 2019 when Champions League just uh, hit, you know, Ansu Fati was the most coveted prospect, even over Erling Holland. Now at 19 years old, he's on his 22nd knee surgery or whatever it is, and nobody wants him anymore. So you just have to be careful where you're making that entry point. Do you always need to avoid the top prospect? Do you think that they're almost always overpriced and overhyped? Yeah, I mean, we talk about like risk versus reward and the ceiling versus the floor. And it seems like most of these guys, the highest ranked prospects, the number one, number two, number five draft picks in the NBA, they're always too high. They just come out too hot. And the ceiling isn't high enough unless they truly become like the guy for the rest of the era. I think what we saw happen with Luca. People kind of have latched onto him. They like him as the number one guy from the last many years. And obviously his cards have sold for in the millions, you know, obviously. So his high end stuff, but his low end stuff has been struggling, right? Because people, part of that's just the overall market coming down. But part of that is that people are watching this guy and this Mavericks team and wondering, yeah, he's a great player, but is that team ever going to really get over the hump? Is he ever going to command LeBron-like prices if he can't ever find a way to get to the finals? This is where you can't even really fairly compare a superfractor or a one-of-one one to the more ubiquitous common commodity cards because that's truly just one person who wanted to pay that price. It's a bunch of people duking it out for that one prestigious card, whereas everything else down at this level over time, it's probably gonna come down just because it comes out too high. Now, Doug brings up a great point with Garland. Look to those second tier mm -hmm. guys if you're prospecting who people haven't caught on to yet 
and that you're high on, and then maybe you can get in on them, and the, and the ceiling's higher, the floor is lower. Now, with a guy like Dominguez, I worry. Up until recently, I'm, I'm a little ashamed to admit this, but I don't follow the prospecting as much. I thought he was like this giant masher. He's right. five foot ten, yeah, and he doesn't hit for power. Look like it, yeah. yeah, so he hit two fifty eight with five home runs last year in single A ball. Like, wow, that's a huge okay. gamble. So, how much of this is FOMO then? How much of this is just people seeing that? Okay, this guy might be the next trout, the next biggest thing. This is my chance now to get a super fractor and for under a million dollars. In fairness, if he becomes the next trout, yeah. now trout's super fractor, his exact equivalent of this card, sold for close to four million dollars. Right. Uh, you know, I think it was a year or two ago. So this card sold for four hundred seventy-four thousand. So if he becomes the next trout, there is the potential that this was actually a steal. But there's a long way to go between where he's at today and him actually becoming the next trout. And there's been so many prospects, especially in baseball so many prospects that never pan out. You had Rob G on when he bought the big yeah. card. Maybe you call up Ken Golden and say, put us in touch here, see if the guy wants to come on and talk us through his logic. <laughs> That's a good idea. Not That's what we're going to do. We will see if we can get that guy on the show. That would definitely make an interesting debate. I'd like to hear the story. How did he get to that point? I would as well. All right, guys, it's time to move on to our second topic. So this past Saturday on our Sports Card Investor YouTube channel, Teapot, you did a really interesting video where you, you showed us the results of a big PSA submission that you sent in many, many months ago and your cards were waiting within PSA's, you know, holding system for my, as, as are my cards, as are your yeah. cards, as are probably your cards out there as well. And uh, what was really interesting about the video you did was you compared the values of those cards when you submitted them to how much those cards are worth today. In a lot of cases, they're worth less today. I'm curious, that experience, has that changed how you would approach grading going forward. Yeah, for sure. And I'm actually going to be doing another video this upcoming weekend on that very topic, how to choose where you're going to send your cards. There are several cards I had in that order. It was 249 cards in total that were low-end base cards that at the time were definitely worth sending off at the $10 to $15 price point to PSA. So it's your fault that PSA got back to I got so many comments about that. People say, oh, this is why it's so slow. Now, if you talk to Nat, he'll say, I want anybody to be able to grade anything, but obviously that was a huge part of the problem. And I, you know, I was trying to capitalize on that type of a market at the time. Now, what I can do is show you, I, have a, I had a bunch of these 2018 LeBron Revolution cards. It was his uh, Lakers rookie yeah, card. Like, sure. you know, the prism was still in the Cavs. He's on the Lakers. And those are nice looking cards. Great, the, it's a good the looking card. cards. They're yeah. a little, little, you know, perhaps underappreciated. Yeah. They're, they're visually appealing. That 2018 set also gem, gems at a pretty high uh -huh. rate, good quality gem rate. So I bought a lot of them and I sifted through them and I sent the ones I thought had a good shot at tens. But now if I compare those prices, you can see I still got basically crushed. The PSA 10s are only at 24 bucks right now. Oh, I paid 15, I think plus I paid like two or $3 a card, yeah. take out fees and everything else. And I'm yeah, like break even break in the even, And that's only if it gets a 10. That was all the effort to send. So there are a lot of cards in that in that order that I right. definitely would not send off at all today. And what were those? Do you remember what those were going for at yeah, the they, time you they, sent them? Um, at the time, so what I did was I actually pulled it up and you can see like at the high point, they were up over $60. And actually when I bought the lot of them, uh -huh. they were going for closer to 100 wow. prior to that. So that's when I sent them and it's just been a cascade down. And wow. they're like nine wow. bucks for a PSA nine. Yes. Now, so. yeah. Yikes. Yeah, nine bucks for a PSA nine. <laughs> that's not going to get it done. Doug, if you have cards like that today that yes. are more of that, um, you know, lower end type of card, but mm -hmm. you still think they're worth grading, 
are you going SGC at this point? Have they, you know, you've also got, you've got other options out there, but they've really, it seems like they've cemented themselves as, as a pretty good value option. Many right. people are saying SGC, they believe, is now the second best grading company right behind PSA. I mean, I think that I feel the same way, honestly. Mm -hmm. I think SGC, is, as of right now, has moved into that second place. Their turnaround times are really good. Their pricing is very competitive. Yep. We did a video a while back where we talked to Peter, the CEO over there, and got to tour the facilities and see the grading process. And that just makes me trust them a little bit more, that transparency that they shared with us. Um, you know, shameless plug and everything. But that really, I mean, that's what kind of propelled me to start considering them a little bit more. So right now, now I would lean SGC. I don't think there's a problem with uh, CSG either. Uh, getting those subgrades can be really important, especially if you ever want to cross over in the future or something like that. Uh, I've heard that they're a little bit stricter lately in grading, and that can actually be a good thing. I know a lot of people are like, oh man, I, you know, I'm not gymming nearly at the rate I feel like I should be, but that can help you. I mean, that can help you determine what cards really would cross over if that's part of your plan. So mm -hmm. that's something to consider for sure. Yeah, really, really interesting. You know, I People are hating on BGS right now, and, and I understand why. Their prices for grading are, are still high. Their turnaround times have been real, real poor. Their capacity really hasn't been expanding. I still like BGS for the, for the patch cards. I still like them for the thick cards. I love those subgrades, and I like the holders for those types of cards. But for most cards I'm submitting, PSA and SGC for me, personally right now, are, are one and one B, depending yeah. on the type of card. All right, and we got more topics to hit, but real quick, if you've got cards you want to submit for grading, we've got some of the best prices around on both PSA and SGC. Check out the grading page on our website, sportscardinvestor.com. Click on grading. We'll take care of your whole grading order for you at a discount. All right, let's get into this next topic. This came from a reader who suggested this topic from a viewer. Uh, and this one is about rookie or second-year quarterbacks. Well, not even second-year quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks. He wants to know... What quarterback who is a backup this season is most likely to potentially break out next season and therefore see his card prices go up in value? What's your initial thought on that? Yeah, I mean, there's a handful of guys you can look at. Lance, Fields, you got Minshew, Love, Trask. Uh, I think if I look at a guy like Justin Fields, I was never particularly high on him. He came out hot in that first preseason game and then was kind of cocky a little bit and then just had a horrible season. Obviously, coaching turnover, just too many question marks. On the flip side, Trey Lance is in a great situation, and he's got playmakers around him. He himself is a playmaker. He can rush. He can throw. So, you know, I think his accuracy, we'll see how that pans out over time in his decision-making. But when you can play that sort of West Coast offense, dump it down to a guy like Debo Samuel and let him take it and make moves, that's a huge advantage as a quarterback, plus with the scrambling game. And they're obviously in a position where they really were able to compete this year. So I think Lance has probably the best upside. He definitely has a great team around him, and, and so much of a quarterback's success has to do with that. Like I, I for yeah, one, for sure. I for one was not particularly impressed with Mac Jones this year. Okay. However, Mac Jones was winning games. He was winning a lot of games when you compare him to someone like Zach Wilson on the Jets or yeah, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence your number one pick. Right, right. They were not winning games, right. and it's simply because they were put into situations which were nowhere near as good as the situation Mac Jones walked into in New England. So, so Trey Lance is is walking into a better, even a better situation than what Mac Jones walked into. You could say the same for Jordan Love. You could say the same for Kyle sure. Trask. What are you thinking in terms of these guys next year? I mean, honestly, it'd probably be easier to start with who won't succeed. Mm -hmm. I would start 
with Kyle Trash. Why? I think that would be the first option for that. This, this this guy over here. This is some SEC hatred. He's still he's still angry that uh, that his Kentucky Wildcats got beat Florida. blown beat away, Florida. blown away by Tennessee earlier this week. I'm sorry for you, Doug. That's a different sport. You should not hate Kyle Trask. You should not hate the, why the did next you, why Tom did you Brady. Pivot? Why did you pivot to Kentucky losing to Tennessee in basketball? Next we Tom just Brady. Played Florida. We just played Florida. Why don't you make don't, that pair? I didn't, I didn't, honestly, was, I didn't. Oh, you lost Our women's team is doing, our women's uh, basketball football. team is doing quite well so, this year. Football. Uh, we could go with the safe answer. Teapot is, of course, going to be very analytical, very data-driven. He's going to give you Trey Lance. Yep. I'm going to give you the right answer, which is Minshew Mania. Oh, my gosh. That's right. The, the hype continues, apparently. The, yeah, the, the unfounded hype. When did it stop? This is years when of unfounded stop? hype around this guy. Why, why Minshew? Why Minshew? Uh, well, he's been good. Uh, quite frankly, he's been good. When he was filling in for Jalen Hurts, I mean, his every game he had over 100 QB rating. That game against the Jets, he demolished the Jets. Now, I mean, the one downside is he's behind Jalen Hurts still. It's not like Minshew's all of a sudden going to be catapulted as to the starter and, you know, Hurts is taking a back seat. But Hurts' play style being somewhat dual, dual threat will lend him to probably miss some time. And I think you're going to see the opportunity for Minshew to really step up and do what he's done. I mean, he's, he's performed. There's only one correct answer to this question. It's the baby goat, Kyle Trask. Hey, that's it for this, who's this following, week's episode, Who's following the real uh, goat, yeah. Tom Brady. You got the goat, and now you got baby goat as the, as the successor. The Bucks, great situation. Tom Brady is rolling over in his grave right Trask now. Trask is going to be Here great. Okay, comparison. we got one more question we got to get to, and this was how can kids start to invest in the hobby with minimal money? Give me a quick answer, Teapot. I think it's all about hustle. Learn negotiation. You've been teaching your kids that and showing those in videos. Go negotiate, go to shows, hustle, go out and have a little contest with your friends. You, you know, your mom or dad gives you 10, 20 bucks. See if you can find the best cards and make it a contest. And I, I see a lot of fun competitive spirit come out and play the dealers. Some of them love seeing the kids come mm -hmm, up. They do. They'll give you a card. You know, you, oh, you yeah. haggle with them. It's a $10 card. Hey, can I have this for four bucks? Nah, sure, why not, kid? So just hustle and, and use your kind of uh, newness to the hobby to take advantage of that, I think. What say you, Doug? Well, I mean, if you're going to card shows, uh, come find us, right? We're doing the yep. kids' repacks. That's right. We'll be able to give out some cards, hopefully. We will be. Um, but I would just say have fun, right? Um, if you're, if you're, looking for your favorite player, your favorite team, hit those dollar boxes, and you're just going to have a lot more fun collecting what you actually like. Mm. That will lead you to be more interested in the hobby. That will lead you to be more engaged and want to learn more about it. Uh, I think that's just a more organic way to get involved and start to then learn how to make investments at that point as well. Here's what I would do. I would, I would, these are all great ideas. I would, I would teach your kid about grading so they understand sure. how to identify a card that could grade well and then have them go look for cards at the card show that are under $20, maybe under $10, that if it grades, let's say an SGC 10, might be worth $100 or more. It's only $25 right now to grade a card through SGC, through our grading service at Sports Card Investor. Could be an opportunity for a kid to see their work pay off and make some money. All right, we've run out of time for today's topics. Guys, we want to know, first of all, what topics do you want us to cover in the next show? Put them in the YouTube comments below. And what did you think of this new show format? We're excited about it. Hopefully you enjoyed it today as well. If you did, hit that like button and hit that subscribe button right now and that little bell icon to let us know that you like this show. And if you're going to be in the Atlanta area or anywhere in the Southeast, the Culture Collision Trade Show is coming to Atlanta. It's February 25th through 27th at the Atlanta Cobb Galleria Center. It's going to be an awesome card show with hundreds and hundreds of tables. We're going to have almost all of our sports card investor team there Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Check it all out. You can go to culturecollisiontradeshow.com. 
Again, culturecollisiontradeshow.com to get your tickets today. Gentlemen, this was fun. Congrats on getting beat by me in the first episode. I (laughs) appreciate all of your uninformed opinions. And I appreciate you for watching. We'll see you back in a few days with our next episode. Take care. Thank you.